Life is complex, so is our mental health. It cannot be understood by diagnosis alone. Our philosophy is treat the person, not the mental illness. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Humanizing Mental Health. I'm Trent Nakers. And I'm Jeremy Alcorn. Today we're doing another of our Synergy series, and we have a very special guest. We have Dakota Shola, and we were doing Lola before the uh, podcast started, so we're not going to break out into song, are we, Jer? No, just literally seconds ago, though, yeah. I was singing Lola. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Dakota, um, welcome. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself to our podcast listeners? Yeah, for sure. And, and thanks for having me, you two. Uh, my name is Dakota Shola, and I work at the Synergy Center. I'm a counselor here, um, and I'm just excited to be here today. Yeah, in fact, as you say that, something jumps into my mind that I'm not sure that we kind of fully are articulated in some of our other episodes. That is, um, when you say you work at the Synergy Center, that is true, but actually you're, you're an independent business owner, mm-hmm. as actually each one of us are, each mm-hmm. one of us being private practitioners. And that whole notion of synergy being that idea that every one of us brings something to the table mm-hmm. and, um, and that, that combined somehow, that as they say, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like, as you think about that, I don't know why, but for me, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers popped into my head with the Megazord, you know, like where everybody comes together and it's like the giant robot comes together to battle the huge monster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and actually, our society is in a place where it kind of sometimes does feel like a huge monster mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. people are getting pounded down by and we need to come together in some sort of way which is what this podcast is all about so uh so then interesting um to find out or have you share with our listeners kind of where where you come from introducing yourself as a as a person and practitioner yeah so i have mostly been raised in medicine hat i moved here i believe in 2005 um so i was a child then um i moved from the crow's nest pass the beautiful mountains and I moved here with my family and I went to middle school and high school here and then of course I actually went straight into my education at the medicine at college here Um, I'm really excited to share that I have a lovely family here Um, I have a two-year-old girl and I live with my husband yeah and I mean just as you bring up your your two-year-old I've got to say like she she is quite precocious and quite um quite beautiful um but yeah so like as i'm hearing like you um you started out here i'm like you're basically for a lot of us we say born and raised but you kind of came in like just as a newcomer but it sounds like you've really made medicine at your home over the years yeah it it took me a while to kind of come to that conclusion Mm -hmm. um when i think about my childhood i i do think of where i came from um in mountains yeah like those Mm -hmm. were mainly where my memories are from but Mm -hmm. i've really been able to um i think attach to this community and really love it Mm. yeah because um of the three of us mm -hmm. um trent you're actually the only homegrown medicine hatter, correct? Mm. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. No, no, fascinating to me because uh, obviously we have viewers in a variety of places, so I, I guess I have to explain a little bit. I, I spent some of my growing up years as a young child. My first memories were in Sparwood. And of course, Sparwood, for those that don't know, 
are just across the border into British Columbia, like just on the other side of the Crow's Nest mm-hmm. Pass from, from Alberta. And uh, so those same mountains are my memories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember going swimming in Sparwood and we'd just like hop across the border and go swimming there. Yeah, and yeah. then of course the thing sitting there, the the biggest truck in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Imagine mm-hmm. you spent a, a moment or two there. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and also fascinating for me because... Uh, the 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 um, energy that you bring in the place that you're in in your practice. See, mm. I graduated with my master's degree the year you moved to Medicine Hat. Right. So I didn't even realize the the shift in um, in the amount of years between us, and because there's to me there's just this collegial feeling, you know, that it's like we're we're all equal. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to just kind of go back to something, uh, Dakota, that you mentioned. And I'm, and I'm really, I'm almost curious for both of you. Like, what is that thing that you would say that, like, could you say that you, like, were drawn to medicine and you kind of felt that sort of c- a connection at one point that really made this feel like home? Can you uh, maybe expand on that a little mm-hmm. bit? I feel like it took me a while to find that connection. Um, and I think some of it comes with the acceptance that. I need to make this place my my own my own home, mm-hmm. and so um, I would say like probably, oh maybe four or five years ago, okay. I really felt this connection to being in Medicine Hat, mm-hmm. and I felt like it was my purpose to be here and to help people here and to serve my community. Um, so it was definitely a process. Okay, yeah. So it was like really, like finding your tribe and finding your place in that community. And then how can I support that community? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I would say that was my experience too, is finding a tribe over time. I would say that what nailed home, um, the connection to medicine hat for me was actually the river Valley, this, this massive South Saskatchewan river that flows through. And when, as I became more connected to the, um, the nature, the trees, the river, there's deer that walk all over mm. this mm-hmm. um, this city, it, and the rabbits. Actually, that was something that really pulled me um, to feel more connected. Interesting, because both of you talk about the mountains, and then you alight to the river. So it's really the nature of the place that mm-hmm. really binds you here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then the next part, and that is Dakota. It's not a coincidence when someone ends up doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and if we could kind of highlight your, um, your educational position a little bit, um, so that people can know, cause other people on the, the show have been, um, from our synergy series have done a variety of different kinds of work. So if, if you could highlight that and tell us what makes you passionate about mental health care. Yeah. And I think this started, um, probably in my youth, but I didn't really know it at the time. Um, and so I felt like the people that I was surrounded with, of course, they were human and they were struggling with mental health. And so I really wanted to help people. I I just knew that. I didn't know how. I didn't know um, what field I wanted to go into until I really started to have to think about that when I was finishing high school. Um, I did a lot of research because I was gravitated towards counseling and sitting down and having 
um, somebody listened to me and talked to me was mm. I really valued. And so I decided right out of high school that I would, I wanted to be a counselor. Um, again, I didn't know what that entailed or, or what journey that would lead me on, but I knew I wanted to help people in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And so right after high school, I applied for um, the addictions counseling program. Um, and then they offered, after doing some research, of course, after um, they decided, I decided, I guess, that I wanted to do the dual program. So I wanted to do social work and addictions counseling. Um, they didn't off. they don't offer that now, but they did when I um, started my journey. And so that kind of got me into the field. Sure, sure. And um, uh, for those that, that, uh, that wouldn't know, um, in, in Alberta, there's uh, been a, a transition with um, addictions counseling. They had their own body that, um, that held uh, kind of accountability processes. And, um, and then as that transitioned into the, the rest of the um, broader universal health care, then uh, individuals with an, an addiction background didn't have the ability to get a license. But what you're saying is that as a social worker, you were able to get that social work license that allowed you to do um, psychosocial intervention, as they call it, or working with mental health um, concerns. And then beyond there, where did your journey take you after your diploma? Right. So I um, was working practically all throughout my diploma in the human service field. Um, and then I started to work in an outreach capacity, working with youth. Um, and I knew I wanted to do my degree. So I did apply for my degree, my human service degree. Um, got in and completed that while I was working um, with the ultimate goal of, of getting my master's at, at some point. And it just kind of worked out that I transitioned to a new um, job, which allowed me to directly counsel um, people in our community. And so I applied for my master's at that point, um, got in. And so I was able to do my master's and work um, as a counselor at the same time. Wasn't that amazing? Like the yeah. capacity to be able to directly um, integrate the new knowledge at that master's level right into the work you were doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, like, as I hear you talk, I'm really hearing, um, and again, I'm going for my IFS lens, but, but it's, um, like you, you start with your heart, but then you feel that, that emotion and you kind of lead with your head where it's, okay, this is what I want to do. How can I logically approach this? And I'm really hearing too, that, that youth has kind of been, the main um, structure and the main focus of your practice. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. In fact, if you could tell us a little bit about the breadth of your practice and we'll have you on another time to get into the kind of the minutia of, um, of, of one of the areas of practice. Yeah. So um, like I mentioned earlier, I started in more of an outreach crisis position. Mm -hmm. I worked at um, the community youth shelter, I did some outreach work with a local agency. I've done some mental health capacity building in our schools and some mental health prevention work there. And so most of my experience have, has been with young people. Mm -hmm. And so it was very natural for me to, when I transitioned into private practice or into counseling, that that's the area I wanted to focus on. Sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and I, I could really hear the passion in your voice like when you're talking about that and like the fact that like you just haven't worked with them one-on-one -on -one, but like the capacity building within the schools i can only imagine how that really shifts and shapes your focus when you're working with people individually 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to tell a Dakota story. <laughs> you know, th- this is fascinating for me. So mm-hmm. in putting things into context, this is my, my 19th year of practice. And uh, Hang on. Wait. I thought you were at 18. Yeah, yeah, but we're in 2023 now. Okay, so, sorry, <laughs> sorry, okay, wait, calendar, click door, okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 so, um, uh, and yesterday, I, I was with a, uh, a youth, and, and the mother was present at the moment, and I was having a very difficult conversation with them, in which I could tell that that there was a lack of attunement in mm. the uh, in the therapeutic relationship, and I knew that that meant that the person wasn't going to improve in the way they could. And um, in fact, the mom was uh, was expressing basically that same sort of thing that not that counseling wasn't helpful at all, but that some of the gains they were hoping for was not as potent. And um, and immediately, one of the things that I that I thought about was, oh, well, I know someone that will that i can almost guarantee is going to make this fit mm-hmm. um and uh and so i i gave the the people this option dakota came in and had them talk to the the people about this possibility of a a, a new connection a new fit that might um work and while the the person didn't actually choose to do that what happened is then um when the mom left they were able to tell me exactly what was wrong they were able to then say um, actually I can tell you why this isn't working. It's not working because we're working on the wrong thing. And then they could tell me what it was they needed to work on. And, um, it, which was, uh, was fantastic. And also, uh, just the position of being able to say, you know, if I see someone or I know someone, I entirely trust that Dakota would be someone that has the skill but also the capacity of connection mm-hmm. that a youth is going to engage a youth that might actually that I might not have the skill to engage with. Mm-hmm. I believe that she would have the skill to engage with. Yeah. And the fact that you're saying this as um, a seasoned professional, you know, now 19 years, I mean that that not only speaks to your ability to recognize your limits, but also like you said, that you're seeing in Dakota, this unique capacity that she's able to, connect with this population in that that distinct way that is so valuable because as they talk about you know counselors can have all the great knowledge in the world but if you can't build that therapeutic bond it really is for uh, sure meaningless yeah and uh, it's been a very long time since i've had to have that kind of conversation mm-hmm. with somebody mm-hmm. and uh, to be able to say i know someone that i can hand you to um, that i entirely trust is uh, a great asset Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So then the the other part that we always put put everybody on the spot, right? <laughs> we always put them on the spot. Yeah. It's time to put you on the spot. Okay. And that is, if you had just one message, one message that you felt like, if I could share this, um, it would influence the world for the better in terms of people's mental health. What what mm-hmm. would that be? Hmm. Probably it would be. The words you speak builds the house that you live in. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, Because like 
for me, um, like I talk a lot about with a lot of the disabled clients that I work with that disability is socially constructed and the word and the term that we use for ourselves and how we refer to other people really highlights about whether or not we're going to be viewing things from, you know, a strengths capacity or not. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I can't help but reflect on myself as you say that and think the number of times that I'm in a conversation and I'm trying to articulate myself, but I want to make sure what I'm saying is true. Mm-hmm. 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 I think it too really, for me, it speaks to my inner dialogue as well. Mm. Like if I am saying not so nice things about myself or if I'm bringing myself down, I'm not going to live in a very stable, healthy house. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The foundation might be cracked. And so really working on that inner dialogue and how I speak to myself and how others speak to themselves is, I think that's really important to me. Yeah. And you know, Mm. I I love the fact that you say that the foundation may be cracked because when I hear that the foundation is cracked, it means that the foundation can be repaired. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Thank you for joining us today. And uh, we'll wrap up on that point. This is Jeremy Alcorn. This is Trent Akers. See you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message has been as meaningful to you as it has been to us. If you're looking for help, you can find us on Facebook at Humanizing Mental Health.